What's up, BBN? Welcome back to the Kentucky Connection Pod. Today we have a very special guest, my buddy from TikTok, Carl, from Jim Arrange Pod. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. We had talked briefly like a few weeks ago about trying to get something together, and I'm glad we're, we're getting it done. Yeah, man. We it's It's been a little bit hectic for me the last few weeks. Um, or I guess that was over a month or two ago that we were planning on having you on, but I'm glad, you know, Things have kind of calmed down for me a little bit lately. I'm able to refocus on this type of stuff. So I'm definitely glad to have you on here. For those of you guys who don't know, Jimmer is one of the best, um, if not the best, college basketball TikToker. Uh, I remember watching him way before I even started um, making TikToks. So uh, definitely happy to have him on here. Super influential on the in the college basketball realm on TikTok. You're also on Twitter and YouTube as well, correct? Yep, that's right. Yep. So you guys go follow at Jim Arrange Pod on everything. They also have a podcast. Be sure to listen. Definitely some good stuff. Um, but today we're going to be just covering a few topics um, revolving around college basketball. I know college football is about to start and that's going to be the focus for a lot of people. But, you know, this is Kentucky. So we do have uh, this year long passion for the sport of basketball. So we will be uh, talking about that today and I guess just jumping right into the first topic um, what are some of your favorite slash sleeper teams going to the college basketball season maybe some of the teams that you think are gonna uh, make some waves this year okay I'll preface by saying that um, there's a lot of teams this year that I think will be good but I don't know that there's any team that I don't have serious questions about and that's kind of something that's new because the last couple of years I you know, I bought in completely to Gonzaga last year. I didn't think they had any holes. Like, um, but this year, like even the teams that are kind of the consensus top five, top ten teams, I kind of look over them and I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not super confident in a ton of them. But one of the teams that I've really sold myself on recently is the Baylor Bears. They have a ton of guys that we know can play. Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer in the backcourt. Uh, they'll have Flo Thamba back, Jonathan Chamwachachua. They're bringing Keontae George uh, to this freshman class, and he's an absolute stud of a scorer. The big question with them, though, is injuries. Like, that's kind of what derailed their season last year. They were a number one seed before they lost to North Carolina. Um, really, the health is what I think determines how far they go this season. But if everything goes according to plan, this team absolutely has a championship ceiling. Yeah, not to mention that Scott Drew is arguably a top three coach in college basketball. You know, what he's done with that Baylor program is really commendable. I mean, ever since he's been there, they've been extremely solid, you know, won a championship. So I agree. Uh, I think Baylor is definitely a team that a lot of people are going to be sleeping on going into the season. But, you know, a top five recruit in Keontae George, returning a ton of talent. Um, they're they're definitely a team to look for. I I do like Houston. They have a really strong backcourt. You could argue maybe the best in the country with Marcus Sasser, uh, Tremont Mark, Jamal Shedd. Um, they've, this is a program that's been to the Final Four and the Elite Eight in the last two tournaments. Um, my big question with them, though, is the front court. They lost uh, Fabian White and Josh Carlton, who are both big-time contributors. They're bringing in a top you know, 15 freshman in uh, Jairus Walker, uh, you know, power forward. He should be a, a solid piece for them. But they're basically asking him to be the front court, and I don't know how much I can get behind. Like, hey, freshman, be our entire front court. As much right. as I, I love Kelvin Sampson. I think his system is is phenomenal. This is always one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, 
But if they're, I think if they go anywhere, it's going to be on the strength of that backcourt, which wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, and I mean, Marcus Sasser just kind of seems like your prototypical college star. You know, he's he's your he's your typical elite college guard, and I think he's definitely like a surefire first round pick in next year's draft. You know, if he stays healthy this year, um, I mean, Houston made a run last year without two of their best players in the, in the tournament. So, um, Houston, you know, is one of those teams. It seems like every year we have a team going in the preseason that's getting a lot of like hype on the back end where it's like anyone who's pretty connected with college basketball is knowing that Houston's going to be a solid team. They're not your, you know, they're not your flagship name like a UNC or a Duke or a Kentucky, but you know, they're definitely a team to look out for and they're very well coached. Um, But I guess I'll use this to segue. I want to know your thoughts on Kentucky's team as a whole. Um, You know, what do you think about UK's roster? What do you think their strengths and weaknesses are? And like, how do you feel about UK as a whole? Yeah, Kentucky is definitely an interesting one because obviously you have National Player of the Year, Oscar Sheboy, returning. You know what you're getting from him. You're getting, you know, 15 points and 15 to maybe even 25 rebounds a game out of him. Um, You also bring back Severe Wheeler, who, correct me if I'm wrong, has led the nation in assists the last two seasons, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, At least he led Power 5 in assists last year. Yeah, so you're getting, you know, one of the best playmakers in the country – um, handling the ball. Um, you lose Ty Ty Washington to the draft. You lose Kellen Grady, which that's my big question with Kentucky is I think the front court play will absolutely be there. I'm projecting Jacob Toppin to have maybe not like a breakout season, but I think he'll be a really solid complimentary piece alongside, alongside Shibway. Cause like it's his front court. I mean, let's be real. Like right. he's, he's going to be, you know, the big attention getter down low. Um, my big question though is like, where's the shooting coming from? Cause uh, you know, severe Wheeler, great playmaker, not really a shooter. Uh, you know, you lose Kellen Grady, who was arguably your best shooter last year. Um, and like, are you asking case Wallace to be, you know, the go-to guy to stretch the floor? Like, I'm not really sure. Um, so I really love, I really love Kentucky's front court. I think, you know, you know what you're getting from Shibway. I think Jacob Toppin's pretty underrated. Um, my big question is just like, where's the shooting? Where's the shooting coming from? Well, a name that has probably flown under the radar for most people, but is super well known to Kentucky fans right now is Illinois state transfer Antonio Reeves in our Bahamas trip. That dude shot, he shot 47% from three on the trip. He averaged 17 points per game over the four, the four game span. He was hitting every, it seemed like he was hitting every three that he took. Um, he averaged 20 points per game for Illinois state. Shot 40% from three for them last year. Great shot creator, great ball handler. I'm projecting he's going to be a a better player than Kellen Grady was last year. I think that Antonio Reeves is a far superior peer scorer. Um, I think he's a better defender. He's a much better ball handler. He's much more athletic. He's longer. He's faster. Um, Antonio Reeves, in my opinion, is going to surprise a lot of people. And, you know, people are like, oh, he transferred from Illinois State. He's a nobody. But I really do think he will end up being a better player for us than Grady was. And then we have um, Iowa transfer CJ Frederick, who shot 47% from three. Oh, he's healthy this year. Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. Frederick's back off the bench. He was looking kind of rough in the Bahamas trip because he hasn't played in over a year. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he hit a couple shots. He looked good. And then 
freshman Chris Livingston is very surprisingly a good shooter. Like I, when I was scouting him coming in, that was my concern with him. But in the McDonald's All-American game, he hit like five deep threes in that game or a few deep threes in that game. And then in the Bahamas trip, he was nailing threes. Like he was shooting very well. So Wallace can hit it. So I think shooting on paper going into the season might be a little bit of a concern. But with Reeves, Frederick, Livingston – um, Toppin was shooting really well. And then we're not even talking about who I think could end up being Kentucky's best pro prospect, which is Damian Collins. Mm. Damian Collins is a freak. And he, w- he, he was catching bodies in the Bahamas. He was hitting pull-up mid-range jump shots. He's put on some muscle. He's going to be the best shot blocker in the country, in my opinion. So I think overall, you know, the concerns might be there for the shooting, but I think we'll kind of – alleviate that problem with Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, and then the rest. I mean, when you have Oscar Shibwe in the front court and then Jacob Toppins in his senior season, and then Damian Collins could end up being a top 10 pick if he reaches his potential. I think that mm-hmm. front court, like you said, is pretty much set. And then the, the, the back court, Kaysen Wallace, in my opinion, is better than Ty Ty. Um, I think that he'll be, he's a, a far superior defender. Yeah, he's, I don't hate that take. He's got an NBA-ready body already. You know, he can get to the rim. He's a pit bull. I, I, I give him a Drew Holiday comp. I think that's a very close comp for Case um, and Wallace. Yeah, I guess it's not necessarily that – I'm not, like, looking at Kentucky and saying, like, nobody is going to be able to shoot on this team. Um, I think it's just looking at this and not seeing any – known quantities as far as like shooting goes like when kellen grady transferred in you're like all right like this guy's gonna light it up from the perimeter and right so right and i I, like i said i do think that antonio reeves might be flying under the radar just because of where he came from you know Mm -hmm. he played for an illinois state team that went like nine and 17 last year like they were terrible yeah um but you know he was a like i said a 20 point per game scorer on high efficiency from three and i remember when shaden sharp was kind of like teetering on the edge on whether or not he was going to go or stay. I remember watching Antonio Reeves film and I'm like, these two play the exact same, like the long lanky broad shouldered guards who can hit the step back threes and the, you know, who can change direction, super fast, super athletic. Antonio Reeves to me is shade and sharp light. And I think that he's going to be able to replace whatever production we might've got out of shade. And I don't have this on the tab, but I know I've seen a couple of your, takes on the shade and sharp situation and Kentucky fans are so tired of hearing about it. It's in the past. It's whatever, but I want to yeah. hear what you thought about that saga as it was going on. Cause I, I do think that's one of the weirdest like situations I've ever seen in college basketball. Yeah, it, it was super sketchy. Like it's not, it's not the first time that we've seen, you know, sort of top prospects like commit to college, but then like not really play like, sort of a different vein but I mean the same sort of thing happened with you know James Wiseman like Kyrie Irving barely played at Duke before he got hurt like Michael Porter Jr. barely played at Missouri um I'm trying to remember I don't think Darius I could be wrong but I don't think Darius Garland played very much at Vanderbilt like three games before he got hurt so it's not like unprecedented in the sense that you have a top recruit who's not playing but a lot of the stuff with like his eligibility for the draft and, you know, the, the stuff coming out of, was it Sunrise Christian? Is that where he was? Mm-hmm. Or Dream City? No, Dream City. Dream Christian, City, that's yeah. where from. Um, Like stuff with them about like whether he actually graduated. There was just like a lot of sketchy stuff going on behind the scenes. And and for me, like when I was doing kind of my, my scouting, um, I mean, I don't know, man. 
I just I, I'm very wary of guys who experience like very very quick rises in terms of like the consensus on them in recruiting like a year before this past season he was barely a top 100 recruit and then Kentucky starts calling suddenly he's you know the number one guy mm-hmm. in the class yeah and um yeah so it was just a weird situation I mean you know hopefully things work out for him uh in Portland we'll see how that goes but yeah, just it was definitely weird. Some sketchy stuff going on. But yeah, like, it was yeah, entertaining. I, it was entertaining. Just, it made for I, good content. I can't even believe he was deemed eligible. I mean, it was pl- pretty blatantly obvious he didn't graduate when he said he graduated, and then all of a sudden these documents come up that he did, and it's just like okay. And then yeah. like his mentor slash handler pushed him to to declare for the draft and not come back to Kentucky. And I mean, it worked for him. He went seventh overall. He's sure. then he got injured in the preseason and might be out for a substantial amount of time. The dude's career uh, uh, thus far has been so weird and unprecedented. Like, like you said, that meteoric rise to the number one player, then the weird situation at Kentucky, then he somehow ekes his way into the draft. Then he gets drafted by the team whose star player didn't want him to be eligible. Damian Lillard was part of the NBA players association. He was pushing against allowing Shaden Sharp to be eligible and now he's on his team. So just such a yeah. weird – and now he's hurt, and it's just so weird, so odd. Uh, but, hey, yeah. that's a, you know that's in the past. Was, I just wanted to – That was one of my favorite videos of yours that I, like, distinctly remember was, like, breaking down that entire situation, like all the moving pieces. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that is keeping me from completely writing him off is the fact that Portland drafted him. And they hired Mike Schmitz, who, like, I really respect as a scout. Um, I think he's, like, super talented and has a great eye for guys that will eventually pan out. Like, the stuff that he did when he was at ESPN was some of my favorite draft content that was out there. Um, So the fact that, like, I think he pushed to have him, that is the thing that's keeping me from being, like, I, I think he's a bust, but well, when you have a six six guard with freak athleticism, broad shoulders, NBA ready body already, obviously a showcase pure scoring ability. Dude can put his chin on the rim when he jumps. Like he's a freak mm-hmm. overall. Like he is, and it's just got the long arms. He's got the potential to be, you know, extremely elite at scoring the basketball at the NBA level. You know, I can see the potential there. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like, how did he go seventh overall? It's obvious that the 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 talent is there. It's just the circumstances right. were so weird. Kentucky fans aren't going to claim him as a Kentucky guy. But if we can't, if we claim Ennis Cantor, who never played for us, it wasn't his fault that he didn't play for us. But Kentucky fans claim Ennis Cantor as Kentucky as a Kentucky player because he stayed and developed and practiced at UK sure. and then went to the NBA. So. I have no ill will towards Jaden. I don't even think it was his fault, really. I think he he's just a kid listening to his mentors, you know, and he did what he always wanted to do. If somebody came to me right now and was like, hey, dude, uh, you can make millions of dollars as a top 10 pick in the NBA right now, or you can go back to school. I'd be like, peace. Like, me personally, I'd stay at Kentucky because I would rather play at Kentucky than the NBA because I'm a Kentucky fan. But, he, you know, he was just a high school prospect who wanted to go to the NBA. So Sure. But anyway – that's the Shane and Sharp situation. So moving on, uh, freshmen to keep an eye on. What are some freshmen in college basketball that you're uh, really excited for? Some guys you think that are going to be very high impact players for your, for their team. We we touched on Keontae George very briefly. I'm I'm pretty high on him. He's just, I mean, the guy that comes to mind, like in terms of just like 
the profile that you're getting. Maybe not like all like the entire skill set, but like when I did my scouting for Cam Thomas, all the did do all, all he all he did was get buckets. That was all he did. Like he didn't play defense. Um, like all he didn't pass. Like all he did was like I'm gonna go out there and score. Right. And I think you're getting a little more with Keontae George, but it's the same sort of deal where like this guy is gonna get his. Like he is going to score a lot of points. Right. Um, and I think I think that's huge for Baylor because just kind of the injury stuff that we mentioned, where maybe some guys are you know slow out of the gate and you're not getting the production out of them that you wanted. So at least you have this guy to give you a shot in the arm, be like, hey, here's here's 20 points, like, <laughs> right, on a platter. Yeah. Um, I also really like Cam Whitmore uh, for Villanova, and Villanova is a team that I'm admittedly pretty low on, um, but I think overall the situation is pretty conducive to Cam Whitmore just popping off this season. Um, I haven't gotten to scout him as much as I've wanted to, but some of the highlights I'm seeing and like. He he could be insane. He could be absolutely nasty. Okay. Um. And then I'll give you. I'll give you another one. Um. I'm very interested to see what the UCLA duo of Amari Bailey and um, Adembona looks like. That's two top fifteen guys, and uh, UCLA is a really interesting team to me, just with like the combination of of the veterans and the youth that they have coming in. Um, but I think like how far they go is very dependent on what those guys look like. So, Yeah, absolutely. With UCLA. Oh, I, I need to mention Nick Smith for Arkansas. I oh, really yeah. like Nick Smith. Oh. Sorry. I know, you know he was a Kentucky show, but I have he, he was a Kentucky lean, but he thought Shaden was coming back. It was another reason why there's a lot of vitriol towards Shaden Sharp because Nick Smith was a cat. He That dude was coming to Kentucky. And we landed Shaden, prioritized Shaden. He thought Shaden Sharp was going to be on roster, so he went to Arkansas. I am still bitter about that. I'm not going to lie because Nick Smith, I think he's the clear-cut number one freshman this year, in my opinion. I think he's going to be so good for Arkansas. Um, when it comes to UCLA, you know, if they'd have returned Juzang, Juzang should have come back, man. If they'd have returned Juzang, could you imagine Jaime Jaquez, Johnny Juzang, Adem Bona, Amari Bailey, Tiger Campbell? Like, that team would have been insane. Like, I really wish Juzang had come back to UCLA just so we could see – what that team would look like. And Mick Cronin has done a great job. He, I thought he was going to flunk over there. I, I did not think that was a good hire for them, but he's done a really solid job over there. And then uh, with Baylor, do you think they're going to run like a three-man, a three-guard lineup of Flagler, Cryer, and George, or do you think they'll bring one of those guys off the bench? That's my expectation is that they run the three-guard lineup. That's kind of what Scott Drew's, you know, bread and butter has been. That's what they won the national title with. Um is, is that sort of lineup when they had uh, Mitchell and Jared Butler and um, shoot, what's his name? Teague. So they had, they had like those three guards and that was something that they were able to be really successful with. So I would expect to see a similar thing um, given that they have the, you know, they have the personnel to do it. So like, why not? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, those are all great names. I'm, I agree with the Nick Smith, um, I, I really am excited to see what he can do at Arkansas. Arkansas just in general is just loaded with guys who I think can all do something. Um, they can all make an impact. I mean, Jordan Walsh, the other rookie, or the only other freshman on that team, he's I, I'm pretty high on Walsh overall. I think he's going to be a solid guy, maybe not immediately, but I think he'll eventually be a really high-impact player. Obviously, my bias kicks in, but I, I'm actually confused as to why more – 
talking heads aren't mentioning Case and Wallace as like I like Case and Wallace off rip could be the best def- guard defender in the country next year. Like he is that good. He is elite defensively. He is a menace. He's a pest. That's that's where the Drew Holiday comp comes from. The big, strong, broad shouldered, big muscles. Dude's built like a pit bull, like Drew Holiday. He is elite defensively, like Drew Holiday. Um, I think that Case and Wallace is easily, in my opinion, right now a top three freshman going in. I think that. He was underrated. I mean, I think ESPN, honestly, I don't know what the heck they got going on at their recruiting department over there. They had him at 20th in their recruiting rankings, which is just gross. Like everyone else had him as a top 10 recruit. They had him at 20, which I just thought was nasty. But um, that's the beautiful thing about recruiting rankings, though, is that nobody ever thinks they're good. So, and nobody knows what they're talking about. It's like oh, you'll have a, you'll not. have a four star, you know, like I remember Tyler Hero coming in was a four star. Dude was obviously an elite scorer obviously should have been a five-star he was a four-star coming in and ended up being the best player or one of the best players on that Kentucky team that year so um obviously you know my Kentucky bias is coming out right now but I just Casey Wallace in the art what do you okay do you know much about Aduthiero I do not I admittedly do not know much about him in the Bahamas trip dude I was like what like the it's the Bahamas trip. I get it. But we played the Bahamas national team. Um, and we played the, like one of the best college programs in Canada, Carleton. We played uh, Monterey tech, which is one of the better um, programs in Mexico. So like we played some okay competition and a Thiero defensively is already there. He could end up being a six, eight point guard. He's still growing. He's six, six right now, but they said he's still growing projects to be six, eight. His body's ready. He's lanky. He hit a couple threes. He blocked a few shots. I think a, I think Coach Cal saw some secret sauce with him and Aduthiero. I don't. I don't know if he'll contribute immediately, but if like one of our guards gets hurt this year, I'm excited to see what. Thiero Where is he from? Is he like ranked or anything? He was a three three star. They bumped him to a four star after he committed to Kentucky, of course, but then 24 seven bumped him back down to a three star. Um, hmm. But. He was fast rising. His dad played for Coach Cal at Memphis, and that's kind of oh, where okay. the connection came from. Um, but I think that it's pretty obvious that Coach Cal saw something there, you know, long term. Um, he had other offers, you know, from uh, some okay D1 schools. Like he was going to go D1 regardless, mm-hmm. but it was probably group of five, you know, before we got involved. So, but a six, eight point guard who's has elite intangibles defensively. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, just being biased, but I think that he's going to be really mm-hmm. So moving into your preseason top 10, who are the 10 teams you're looking at uh, going into this next season as, you know, your, your predicted top 10? Okay. Just disclaimer very quickly. This is a, this is a list I made on July 22nd. So this is over a month ago, I'm still working out working out the kinks for my my final preseason ranking, which shameless plug will be coming to TikTok at some point. Um, so back on July 22nd, my top ten: uh, North Carolina at one, Gonzaga at two, Houston three, Baylor four, Kentucky five, Arkansas six, Kansas at seven. I kind of want to move them down a little bit, honestly. UCLA eight, Duke nine, and Creighton ten. 
Okay. So okay, I can rock with that. Let's. Uh, I need to process something real quick. So, do you th- you think? Do you think on paper Gonzaga is a better team than Kentucky on paper? Um. I mean, I think I have to say yes. Otherwise, I have no reason to put them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, just like, I guess what's the reasoning there is what I'm saying. Um, my reasoning is I think, okay, so you have like, let's just say for the sake of argument, let's just say Shibway and Timmy like cancel each other out, which like, yeah, you can say like Shibway's better, but let's just like, those are the two like most elite players. It's fair. So let's just like push them off to the side for a second. I am very high on some of Gonzaga's returners. I like Julian Strother a lot. I like Rashir Bolton a lot. We were talking earlier about Antonio Reeves and how people were like, he's coming from like a crappy Illinois State team. Like, how can he really contribute? And I think people would have said the same thing about Rashir Bolton because he came from an Iowa State team that was one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my entire life. They went like 2-22, and 22, like lost every single conference game. Um, and he, you know, came in last season and shot 46% from three, and now he's back. Um, I think Nolan Hickman has a lot of potential to – I don't think anybody can really replace Andrew Nemhard at the point because, to me, he was the best, like, true point guard in college basketball last year in terms of what he brought to the table as a facilitator. Um, they had players that were definitely more talented than him, but he was the engine that made things go. Um, so it's going to be hard to replace him, but I think Nolan Hickman could could be somebody that, that we see do that. Um, plus you bring in Malachi Smith, who I've, I've seen in person. I watched um, the Illinois-Chattanooga game in the first round of March Madness. Malachi Smith is that dude. He, this guy, talk about a bulldog. Like this guy, he averaged 19, 19 points a game, like seven rebounds. He's not afraid to bang on the glass three assists. He does like a little bit of everything. I can see him handling the ball a little bit. Um, It's some of this is like, some of it is due to like hype. Like I'll be honest because that is really all that preseason rankings are good for at the end of the day. Um, Cause like if you really pressed me, like, do I think North Carolina is the best team in the country entering next season? I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't, but they're number one on my list. Because it's as simple as they're bringing back basically everybody from a team that made it to the national championship game. So yeah. I don't know what you got to do. I don't know. What are you? Okay. So when it comes to North Carolina, I have a direct comparison for them. Because do you remember in 2013, the Kentucky team, Julius Randle team, they came into the tournament as an eight seed. Mm-hmm. They had a pretty mediocre regular season, came into the tournament as an eight seed, made it all the way to the national championship, lost to UConn returned the whole team basically we added a couple solid recruits and then went undefeated in the regular season in that 2015 or 2014-15 year with Carl Towns and all them I see a similar thing happening with North Carolina maybe not undefeated maybe they won't be as good they probably don't have seven NBA draft picks on that team like Kentucky did in that year but returning Armando Baycott who's a top three big in the in the country, I'd say when you're looking at bigs, you know, it goes Shibwe, Baycott, Timmy in some order, um, at least from my standpoint. Um, and then you're bringing back Love, and R.J. Davis came back too, right? Yeah, R.J. Davis is back. So you got two great guards, you know, kind of like Kentucky returned the Harrison twins that year. 
Um, that I feel like that's a similar comp. And I think you could comp both of those guys to the Harrison twins in some ways. Um, do you think that that could end up being a similar situation? I mean, I, I agree that going into the preseason, my preseason rankings, North Carolina is also number one because I just see something highly similar to that. Yeah, I I appreciate that comparison, actually. And that's a new way of thinking about it that I haven't really considered. Um, so it's nice to get the little the Kentucky slant for North Carolina. Um, yeah, got to do it. <laughs> do it. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting idea because so last year, what what I've seen a lot of critics of North Carolina say entering the season is that this is basically exactly what happened to UCLA, where you know they barely get into the tournament, they get in as a first four game, they finished fourth in the Pac-12, and you know go on this crazy run win six straight games, get to the final four, bring everybody back. Suddenly it's like, all right, they, they are a consensus, you know, top three team in the country. A lot of people are saying final four lock. Um, and I was, I was a critic of UCLA. I was a pretty outspoken critic of UCLA, but by the end of the season, it was pretty evident that like, if they didn't lose that game to North Carolina, they probably actually would have made the final four. Yeah. Uh, because they didn't, they didn't really have very much standing in their way after that. Like they would have gotten to play St. Peter's. Like UCLA, I think would have torn St. Peter's to shreds. Uh, yeah. So like UCLA may at the end of the day been legit last year. And so as much as I want to follow my same logic of like this was like an underperforming team all year that got hot at the right time. Like how could people think they're the best team in the country? But then, like, kind of when you look back at, you know, you play the tape over again, UCLA was actually, like, kind of good, even though they were – they only ended up being a four seed, so maybe they didn't totally live up at expectations. Right. But, you know, I do like North Carolina. My, my like, one holdup on them is I – Caleb Love, his style of play, I'm not totally convinced is, like, conducive to winning a championship. Yeah. And – North Carolina fans are not going to like that because the argument I've heard against that, you know, I've heard the the analytics and the numbers argument, which is like volume shooter, like pretty inefficient, like very hot and cold. But then, you know, the, the flip side of that argument is, but he's that dude. So that's a hard one to argue with. Yeah. He's like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it really does depend on like how you decide to go about it. Um, yeah. That's kind of my one hold up with them, but like, on paper, there's a lot to like. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess optimistic outlook on them is like a similar situation to um, – an optimistic outlook would be they're going to translate kind of how that Kentucky team did after they made the championship. Pessimistic mm -hmm. outlook is they're going to have kind of like what – but I think like – I don't want to piss off Kentucky fans here because that's my people, but I don't know if there's too much of a difference impact-wise with Baycott and Shibway. I think that they're both elite rebounders and then they're both elite low-post players. Shibway can probably stretch it a little more, probably a better mid-range shooter, mm -hmm. um, but they're kind of similar impact-wise in in how they affect their team. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of that, the rest of that roster, you know, I don't know. Caleb Love, I agree with you. I remember watching some North Carolina games and he was bricking everything and they would lose. And then there was when he was hot in the tournament, dude mm -hmm. was dropping 30 points a game. So obviously they kept moving. So yeah, I think their success is conducive to whether or not he plays yes. well. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing with them is how well they do is so 
closely tied to how well Caleb Love is shooting yeah. the ball. Yeah, he, and it's he's going to shoot them out of games this year, and people are going to be like, "Oh, like here we go, like they're mm-hmm. you know here they're falling apart." But then once things hit March, like all bets are off. So yeah, he takes so he's such a high usage player for them, mm-hmm. and that's 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 where it's hard to project them as a national champion because if one guy's off, if their leading scorer is off, then they lose. So I think that's definitely a. Um, uh, definitely an argument to be had. I, mm-hmm. I oh, they're going to be interesting to watch this year for sure. Yeah. Um, I do want your opinion. One of my sleeper teams. I actually, this, my co-host Laren got me mm-hmm. on them. He's he's a Kentucky fan, but his second favorite team is TCU, and he okay. was kind of arguing to me about why TCU is a top ten team going mm-hmm. into next year. You know, returning Mike Miles, uh, Damian Ball. You know, they got a really solid roster. What what do you think about TCU? Do you know too much about them? Do you what do you think about their team? So there's always a team every year where people are like, you know, they played like they played a one seed super tough and they're bringing back everybody. And, you know, so obviously, like I value continuity a lot, so I can definitely understand, you know, that that argument. Um, I like TCU. I like Mike Miles. Um, I think, you know, he is he is their star. Uh, and anytime they bring back the most minutes, I think, of anybody in the Big 12, which, I mean, it is an advantage to have guys who, who know the system and have been there before, um, and they very narrowly pulled off the upset of Arizona. That was a crazy game. If if Benedict Matherin didn't hit a couple clutch shots, like, Arizona would have been bounced around earlier than they were. But um, this is a really interesting year as far as my rankings go because I think outside of, like, I think there's like 11 teams that you kind of have to have as your top 11. And then after that, I can be convinced for literally anybody else in, in like the top 25, like you can make an argument to me and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Like that makes sense. Did you Um, have Arkansas in your top 10? Do I have Arkansas? Yeah. In your top 10. Did you have Arkansas? Uh, Yeah, I did. Wait, I'll double check what number I had them. They were, uh, they were six. Okay. Cause I'm super high on them. I think six Mm -hmm. is around where I have them too. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, but I do. I get the appeal with TCU. I for sure do. And they're going to be they're going to be a good defensive team. Like there is a lot to like, and they're just like a gritty, like hard nosed team that I think will really like. They'll grind out some wins um, for sure in the Big Twelve. Um, but that's the tough. Like if they were in, if they were in like any conference other than the Big Twelve, I think I'd like them a lot more, honestly. Yeah. Um, because that will be a conference that prepares them. For March, I think. I think they will be a tournament team, but at the same time, like they can get knocked around a little bit and maybe end up on, you know, a few seed lines lower than maybe their talent would suggest. And then it's like you're looking at a, you know, playing a one seed like in the second round again or in the third round or whatever. So, right. I think they're, I personally, from what I've looked into on them, I think there's a world where they could be the best team in the Big 12 this year. Like, I think, oh, okay. I think there's a world where that's the situation. You know, I'm huge on Mike Miles. He's probably one of my favorite guards in the whole country. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a dog. Um, so I'm excited for TCU. I had to ask for my boy Laren because I know he's he's big on mm-hmm. them. So Jamie Dixon's an underrated coach too. I didn't mention yeah. him, but yeah. So I like TCU. They're one of my sleeper teams um, for next year. But our final topic on the day is some projected national player of the year candidates. I mean. 
from my standpoint, obviously, I would love to see Oscar repeat. I think that there's a world where that happens, but I think Oscar will probably have to carry less of the load than he did last year. So he actually might see a drop in statistics a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, what do you think about the National Player of the Year race going into next year? It's not often that a team returns the National Player of the Year. Um, So, you know, what do you think about that whole that race as a whole? Yeah, so Shibway is the first returning National Player of the Year since Tyler Hansbrough. So it's been it's been a minute. And I double checked actually like a few hours ago to see when the last time somebody won back to back National Player of the Year. And you have to go back to like the 1980s when Ralph Sampson did it for Virginia. So it has been a, you know, the odds suggest that like he's probably not going to go back to back. But um, I mean, you can't deny like the impact he has on, on that Kentucky team. And even in, even in the St. Peter's game that they lost. He was an animal. Yeah, like, thirty and eighteen in that game. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. Like he did miss some uh, some free throws down the stretch, but like when you look at what he provided for the entirety of that game, he did his part. Like he absolutely did his part. Um, but yeah, he. I mean, he belongs on the list. Obviously, um, I do think that you have to put like Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy on that list as well. Um, I think my pick, honestly, this is the year of the big man. Most of the best players in the country this year are, you know, front court players. But I think that my my early pick for this is Marcus Sasser out of Houston. That's actually what um, I was gonna say. Yeah, I think I think the situation is great for him to have a high usage rate for a very good team to contribute on both sides of the ball. Um, coming back from injury, so like that's a little bit of a narrative that plays in too. Like, look how good he is coming back from injury. Um you know, he's an upperclassman. A lot of times we see this award, like, it, it is an upperclassman a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I think a lot of things are working in his favor, and he's just an insanely talented basketball player, so. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, I, I was going to say my three would be Sasser at one. As much as I love Oscar, like I said, I do think he's going to have a drop-off in production. Um so Sasser at one for me, and then I guess I'll go Oscar at two just because he is the reigning player of the year, and he is, in all, by all accounts, better. You know, he, he it's hard to not improve after, you know, spending so much time under John Calipari. Say what you will about him as a coach, but he's an, a great developer of talent, and I think that he did get the best out of Oscar. I mean, who Oscar was at West Virginia versus who Oscar was here is like night, night and day difference. I think that Coach Cal just knew how to untap his potential. Um, mm-hmm. So I am – Oscar's been taking threes in practice. Oscar's been taking the, – they're trying to get him to stretch the floor so that he can be an NBA draft pick. So yeah. I think that we're going to see him, you know, may, maybe stretch the floor out a little bit and our lane won't be quite as clogged as it was last year. He's already mm-hmm. a high-efficiency mid-range shooter. So anyway, I won't gush about Oscar too long. Oscar <laughs> – in my opinion, will be a better player than last year, but we might see a downtick in uh, production just because he won't have to carry as much of the load in that front court with top and sure. But Then three, I'm not a Timmy guy personally. I think that Timmy has peaked. I think he's he is who he is, and I think he will be that again for them this year. And I think they're going to have more of a focus. I mean, Nimpard was great last year, but I think with Salas and Bolton – um, and then the Chattanooga transfer, and then Hickman. Like, I think that they're – and Strother, like, they're going to be more focused on the outside play this year, I think. Um, so, I like Timmy as a player, but I'm not – I don't think he's a national player of the year guy at this point. Okay. So, it's hard. I'll say the one thing going in his favor is that Chad Holmgren is gone. 
That's uh, true. So he'll have that front court like basically to himself. So if they do decide to like keep running things through him, that's you know that's to his benefit. I think here here's a sleeper. Here's a real sleeper for national player of the year that I haven't really seen anybody anybody talk about. And I don't even like the guy. And it's Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> again. Um, he had a very, very good season last year. Like he was better last year than he was as a freshman. And he was like a consensus All-American as a freshman. Mm-hmm. But nobody really talked about it because Michigan like barely got into the they tournament. Lost 14 games. Yeah, they lost a ton of games. Probably shouldn't have even been in the tournament in the first place. Jawan Howard's like smacking Wisconsin coaches. <laughs> there, there's a lot of things that kind of overshadowed his production and if Michigan ends up being like good this year I think he's going to be putting in a ton of work and maybe we see some sort of national player of the year campaign out of him I don't know I don't see much of a difference in Timmy and Dickinson as a player Mm -hmm. I think that they project kind of similarly maybe that's a lazy take but I think that Timmy and Dickinson are pretty much the same guy uh, in a lot of ways Dickinson might be a better rim protector but I'd say he's a little bit of better of a rim protector, and I think I like Timmy's offense in the post a little bit more. I think he has the better, he has like much better footwork in the post. Yeah, that's fair. I guess you know, six eleven white guy, just kind of they project the same in my brain. But I, I, from what I've seen out of both of them, I think they impact their team similarly. Yeah. But I mean, we've never seen them together in the same room, so like, who's yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, but yeah, Dickinson's a great pick. That's actually you know. I, I didn't even think about Michigan. Michigan could be another sleeper team this year just because, you know, they're returning a good bit. Can't, they lost Caleb Houston, right? They did, yeah. He's pro. He, he was, like, the first player taken in the second round, I think. And he, like, barely – he, like, barely did anything. It was based – he got ba- picked mostly off of uh, p- p- potential and everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I like those picks uh, for National Player of the Year. I think those are all solid guys to look out for. And then, of course, there will always be – a guy who kind of just emerges as as a candidate at some point in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't really think of any off the top of my head who, um, you know, I, I think Cryer, LJ Cryer is a guy mm-hmm. I think could maybe be a sleeper. Again, this could be a lazy take. I'm not as I'm not as focused on the whole, you know, the whole of college basketball as much as I am Kentucky and their surrounding. Like that's where m- most of my focus is. But is it a stretch to say that Cryer and Sasser are kind of similar players? I don't think it's a stretch, but I think the way that Baylor's system is going to run is I don't know that any one of their players is going to necessarily stand out besides like the occasional, you know, we'll, we'll probably have a couple like Keontae George, you know, 30 point games. But other than that, like they, they play like a very like team oriented game. And that's not to say that, you know, other schools are, are not doing that, but they, they have a pretty well-oiled machine that makes it difficult for like one star player to like really stand out. I think, right. I don't know. So they're not going to have the offense moving through Cryer like Houston will have the offense moving through Sasser. The, the, would, the usage won't be there. Yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I just kind of, I remember when they were both coming out of the high school, they were kind of in the same area in Texas, Cryer mm-hmm. and Sasser. And I remember seeing um, some recruiting rankings where they were together and I, they, both of them being from the same area kind of intrigued me. So I looked into both of them and I was watching them. And I, when I made my recruiting rankings that year, I had them way higher than everyone else did, both Cryer and Sasser. Um, so it's been pretty cool to see both of them kind of emerge a little bit because 
like I said, the, the, when they were coming out, those recruiting rankings I had, I remember I had both of them in like the top 20 and nobody else did. And so I was kind of hoping they would project well. And I'm glad to see Sasser in the National Player of the Year conversation. I'm glad to see Cryer mm-hmm. killing it at Baylor. So, but anyway. That's all the topics for today. Um, you know, great overall discussion on the broad landscape of college basketball. Um, Carl, I really appreciate you coming on. You know, this was I, I, we've been like I said, we've been trying to get this going for a while. You know, I've been watching your TikToks for a while. We've stayed in in loose contact um, for a good bit. So, uh, you guys go follow Jim, go follow Jimmer Range Pod on TikTok, Twitter. Um, look into their podcast, you know, absolutely great college basketball content, some of the best out there. So I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. We'll, we'll do it again at some point during the season, maybe, and kind of give, give an overview on how things are going. But thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll have a football episode coming out sometime soon. Uh, me and Laren will be back on here for a football episode before the season starts on Saturday. Um, but in the meantime, peace out.